Welcome, 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 beasties of all ages, to the Random Brothers Badass Circus. My name is Chad Hall, and with me in the middle of the ring, in the middle of the circus, is my good friend, Lam Wen. Hello, everybody. So, you guys maybe have been paying attention to um, the order of the episodes and noticing that things have been strange. I keep calling the last two episodes bonus episodes. Lamb and I were chatting a little bit about this before we started recording, and then we decided, you know, we should just record and talk about this on the podcast. So we're going to explain to you guys uh, kind of what's been going on. Um, Lamb, you want to give a little input? Well, I, it's we've kind of started where it all began, which is we're, we're starting to run into some technical difficulties with our... Um, our gear. Um, technical limitations is probably the better way to say it. Uh, both of our laptops are on the older side, and so because of that, uh, some of the things that we want to do are starting to chew up system resources that are starting to kill files and kill apps and all that kind of stuff. So we've gone back to the old school. Um, Chad and I are talking on phones again and recording with our laptops separately, so this should be an interesting move towards newer tech and older tech all at the same time. Yeah, you guys may, may have noticed that in the last episode, uh, the 20 questions face-off that my audio clipped a lot. There was a lot of <laughs> in that. And that was, it's just my, we were using Zencaster and my computer is, I just looked right before we started this. My computer is from 2011. So this is a six-year-old laptop. And it just, that four megabytes of RAM just cannot compete with um, recording audio and streaming VoIP or VOIP, if you prefer, over the internet at the same time. And we had a similar problem uh, a week before that when we tried to do an interview. Actually, we had a worse problem when we tried to do an interview. We tried to use a service called Cast, and it just, every time I spoke, it kicked me out completely. So we ended up, it was actually pretty embarrassing. We we had um, a interview with us and basically we had to stop we assumed it was the heat at the time and it was not the heat so as a consequence we've had to kind of just re reevaluate and um try to focus on what's important and to us the most important thing is giving you guys good content and good audio so you can hear it so having to pull back we're, we're actually going to have to st- not do the interviews, um, at least not in the podcast. Lamb, do you want to explain maybe some of the ideas that we had um, of where to go forward in the interview and other stuff that we were talking about? Like we're as we're so fond of saying, you know, instead of problems, things are always challenges or opportunities. Um, and so, for for what we're talking about now, uh, we're looking to expand how we do pretty much everything we do. Like, for example, us having to, to reshuffle the episodes in order to, 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 to make sure that we got content out for you guys, made it so that you know we produced a 20 questions uh, episode where you got to know Chad and I a little bit better. Um, but beyond that, we're also looking to um, 
you know, the, the challenge for us now is actually having to go out and do things, um, which I think is a great challenge. You know, uh, for our interview subject, for example, um, we're, we're going to try to, to get out to her show and do the interviews live via Instagram stories, uh, which I think is actually pretty fascinating. Um, and we, we also are now forced to physically go out into the world and do things. So I think it's, I actually think it's really, really cool. Um, and I think both you and I have made good decisions on that in that we didn't see these necessarily as problems, but just interesting challenges that we needed to find unique answers to. Right, exactly. And I, I think if, if anything, that's the main reason. I mean, other than giving you guys a rundown of what's going on with us, that's the main reason we wanted to talk about this is this goes to the core of a lot of the stuff we talk about is you're, you're always going to have obstacles. Uh, and, and was it two episodes ago um, when Lamb was talking about going back into coffee, he kept bringing up that word challenge and he brings it up again now because challenge is it's it's what pushes you forward. So instead of giving up and throwing our hands in the air and going, whatever, our computers have screwed us, we're moving forward and we're trying to do some different things. Now, there's there's still a lot of logistics to figure out. You know, um, what's really nice is Instagram stories, you know, they have the live where you can just go live. You don't have to do it in those one minute clips. You can just do continuous live streaming video, but now it lets it stay on the account for replays for 24 hours. So that if you guys aren't watching it the exact minute that we record it, you won't miss it. But I also, I'm going to look into a way of finding a way to archive those as well. I'm not sure whether it allows us to save them. We're going to have to figure that out. Um, and then we'll have to find a place to store those. Maybe it'll be YouTube. Who knows? Um, so that if you're not available in that 24-hour window. You'll still be able to watch these interviews. And, and especially for the interviewees, I want to be able to have these at a place where they can direct people to it in more than a 24-hour window. But as a consequence of that, that means two things. We need you guys to follow us on Instagram so that you can see this stuff because we want to start doing more interplay between the two things. You know, the, we want this, obviously this is the core. This is where we're doing the talking and stuff, but we want the supplemental stuff, the stuff that's going to add and and that's going to give you more of an experience for these episodes to the Instagram. You know, so if I refer to an image, we can put it on the Instagram, but we also want to find creative and new ways to use Instagram, which we're still in the experimental phase. We're still figuring out. I'm looking at stuff to see what what crazy things other people are doing. Lamb, um, Lamb's doing the same. So it's going to be a fun adventure. Our Instagram is at randombadassery, all one word. So follow us on there. And then if you guys have ideas for things you want to see us do, uh, give us give us some feedback. And uh, especially if you have some crazy weird idea on how to use uh, Instagram or, or the interplay between a podcast and Instagram, let us know. I would love to hear from you guys, regardless of whether it's about that. I would love to hear from you guys in general. And it's kind of an interesting, it, it because it required both Chad and I to pivot so hard, uh, we started to think more and more about what we've always kind of wanted to do with the Instagram, but we, not not just the Instagram, but with uh, all of these various channels, whether it's the YouTube channel that we're we're going to have to start now, now that we put our our, our cards on the table. Um, but one of the biggest things that we've always wanted is to try to create um, an environment in which you could go to multiple sources to get different useful nuggets um, 
that you couldn't get in one medium or the other. Because obviously, you know, when it comes to the podcast, this is a purely audio medium, um, at least for us, uh, you know, as it is now. But moving forward, we'd want to give you useful images, um, you know, fun things that you can do, challenges that are are, are you know useful um, to your cre- creativity, you know, things that, that Chad and I are both doing that are headed towards that direction as well. So um, this is this has forcibly pivoted us to a position in which we've always kind of wanted to go. We're just having to do it by force. So I guess it's just the universe's way of saying that, you know, even, even though we think we're doing the right thing, um, if we don't continually evolve and continually change, then we'll, we'll get complacent and, and, and we'll just frankly bore you guys. So what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to be, to be more creative with how we disseminate content and how we make sure that all of that content ties together and stays continually useful. And it's, it's just a matter of us wrapping our heads around this. Um, like for example, you know, one thing that it, it's, Sometimes, you know, you put these, we want to do some crazy things. We want to do some awesome, completely new, original things. And this this actually ties into uh, how we talk about the creative process. When we talk about the creative process, we talk about, you know, you have an idea for a book. You have an idea for a painting. You're always looking for this grand idea. And because you're looking for that grand idea, it prevents you from starting. And because you don't want to be mundane. Um, I heard a guy yesterday talking about starting apps and programs. He's a computer program developer. And he was kind of still living in the past, dealing with a failed product launch that he had had before. And the person he was talking to said, so what's stopping you from making another one? He says, well, you know, I want them all to be perfect. And the guy said, well, you already failed, so it's already too late for them to all be perfect, so just move forward. (laughs) (laughs) And that's kind of, you know, the way you need to look at these things. Uh, You just need to move forward because that you might come up with that great idea in the long run. But what about all the other stuff that you can do along the way? You know, all the little work, all the forward momentum. Without that momentum and that movement forward, you're never going to come up with that great original idea if you ever come up with it at all. Because most of the successful and amazing things that we see in the world started out as mundane things. It's the effort and love that's put into them that matters, not the originality. You know, it's interesting that you say that because the, the podcast is a good example of that for both of us in the sense that it's never been perfect. Not only has it not been perfect, there are times where it's been catastrophically difficult. Um Moments where you and I run into brick walls that are so insurmountable in the moment that, you know, it almost feels like, you know, I I can't even tell you the number of times where I I lie there late at night after, you know, a tough day of trying to figure this out with you and say, you know, should we really keep doing this? You know what I mean? And I, I guess that's that's true with any project that's worth its, you know, I, I said this early on in the podcast, which was, um, you know, any nothing worth doing is ever easy. Um, and I think that 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 you can't find that perfection until you 
do something long enough to find all of its imperfection. And I think we're a good example of that. You know, we, I don't think it's ever been perfect. The audio has never been perfect. Um, you know, the, the, the methodology for how to record and, and, and edit the, the audio together has never been easy for you. Um, you know, the, the figuring out the social media stuff or the interplay between all of these different conduits for us has never been perfect or easy. But the great thing about continually doing this is that every time we try it, every time we do something different, every time we use a different productivity app or a new organizational app, we get just a little bit better at it. And even if we don't get better at it in that moment, we've learned a new tool that we can then either apply to something that we're trying to do in the future or um, learn a way to use a tool a way that it wasn't intended that fits our purposes. So everything that you do, you know, regardless of whether it's, 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 it's success or failure is always an opportunity to learn. And the one thing that has always been easy, actually, though, is once we start recording these conversations. And <laughs> that's true. And that's part of the reason that I think that we've stuck with it, at least on my end, is because this part is so much fun. And this part is so natural. And this, like you said, in iterations of this podcast before we were even in the current format, when we were in the old format, even if we weren't recording this, we would still be having these conversations. Sure. <laughs> so as, as a consequence, before we started this, I actually I made an Instagram story just kind of showing the mess of drinks that I have set up before we do these episodes. <laughs> the most mundane material, but hey, like I said, start out mundane, move forward. It's weird how, how, how my, my um, set of equipment seems to have devolved back into what it was when we started. <laughs> so, so the setup is very similar to, I mean, we might as well be sitting on couches across from each other. And for anyone who doesn't know, that's, that's how Chad and I began all of this, you know, with earbuds and phones in hand, with notebooks in front of us, staring at each other across the room, recording these things. And with uh, Willy Wonka on silent playing in the background. So oh, if our, yeah. oh, if our yeah. eyes that's wandered, right. we had something to look at. <laughs> <laughs> Willy Wonka is our spirit animal, and we mean the Gene Wilder version, of course, because it is the only version. Do you think, I mean, in, in that interview that you saw, one of the, the things that, the, I, I wonder if it's a, a function of age. You know, I wonder if part of the reason why we're able to push through these things and fight through to, to, to create something that we want is because we're older and wiser and we realize that perfection is just never attainable. And I also think that at least for me, this is the first thing that has felt uh, effortless in in the in the core of it, in the sense that going back to the conversation thing that this talking is is at my core, um, having conversations and particularly having it with someone that I can talk about the things that I want to talk about. So that part is so effortless that I'm willing to face all those obstacles because it just makes so much sense that I'm not willing to give up on it because I, I, I'm like, oh, I have all of this knowledge that I've, that I've attained that is, I always thought most of it was trivial, but now I have a place to share it and there's actually people listening to it. And the main thing, honestly, that gets me through all these frustrations is the listeners. I know that there's people that come back to this week after week and they, they get inspiration from this. And it's not because I'm, I think anything um, 
of greatness about myself. It's because of things that I've been told. And that's why I want to come back is because of the people who have sent us feedback and said that this is making a difference in their life. Um, I, ha I think I sent it to you. We had one guy on Twitter. I don't have the message in front of me right now to pull up the name. But he said that we were continually inspiring him to fail forward. Uh, to just keep pushing. And and that's exactly what we're doing right now. We're failing forward. Failing forward. I really like that. That's a really, did you Have you said that at some point? No, I wish I had. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I think I have the list. It was Johnny Gwynn that said that. I do save the I do save these things, guys. Um, so I mean, that's part of it too. Is it's not just a responsibility to each other; it's a responsibility to all of you guys out there that keeps bringing us back, and it's it's what makes us matter. I mean, our purpose here—we've said it many times—is for you guys. This is not for us. This is not self edification. You know, I I write books. Like, if I want somebody to toot my horn, I'll give them my book which is still fractionally possible that they'll toot my horn because they might hate it as well. But, you know, if I want to focus just on me, writing a book and putting it out is about as you as you can get because you're the only person involved in the process. Yeah. We do this because of you guys. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I think that's one of the, the very powerful lessons and one of the useful things. I mean, we've been doing this for almost two years now. Um has it been two years? Does that sound about right? I think it's a yeah, it's a year and a half approximately. Gotcha. Um, but the thing that the thing that that I think is really useful um, for anyone out there who's doing something creative or doing something that that they want to share with the world is understand why you want to achieve something. Um, I, I guess more specifically, understand why you want to do something. And I think the reason why Chad and I continually keep coming back and doing the, the podcast is because we always started with that grounding principle. You know, we always wanted to, to, to share a creative process or, or share creative tools or creative mindset that helps people to be more creatively free um, and to be happier in many senses. So I think that because we started with that premise it doesn't matter what medium we use it doesn't matter you know whether it's instagram or twitter or you know chad and i may end up just being youtubers and we may just do youtube episodes um it may evolve to that the, the greatest thing is that we've never put limits on what it can be we've always just had a very clear idea of what we've wanted it to do and i think because of that um because of the grounding principles of of the project and and what it's always meant to us i mean the podcast is just the tip of the spear for us um in the long run we want this to be a useful creative tool for everybody and we want it to be useful for 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 many different reasons not just specifically towards creatives but towards business people towards anyone who's looking for a way to find creative solutions to to challenges in their life um and so I think because of that, because of the grounding principles that, 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 that we started out with when it came to this podcast, continuing to do it is easy. It's not even a choice. You know, the principles are so strong and the, the, the intention is so altruistic that I think it's easy to continue doing it without a hiccup um, because it's never about us or about our difficulties or our challenges. You know, and that's, I, I think that one thing that, that Chad and I have both we don't talk about it much on the podcast. I mean, I, I think I do more than Chad does, but, you know, we've both had a lot of really difficult things to contend with over the past year and a half, you know, through the, the months and months worth of, of, of recording and the, 
the 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 difficulties that we face both technically as well as personally in our lives uh but the one thing we always continually keep coming back to is this podcast we have to do it it's not even a choice you know when we wake up on 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 Wednesday morning this is between between the moment i wake up to the moment the ep- the episode is recorded it's the only thing i think about and even if that means that that you know i'm not you know on, on a particular day where i'm stuck at work or something and i can't record till seven or eight o'clock at night i'm constantly thinking about the podcast until it's done even if that means it's 10 p.m and i think that that singular obsession that 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 need to produce something that I feel is useful to the world is what defines what this podcast is and why we continue to do it. You know, both Chad and I were talking about this with the Instagram, which is, you know, if we want it to be successful, we need to treat it like we treat the podcast, which is we need to get obsessed about it. And I think that that's a fantastic lesson for, for, for all people in all walks of life doing any particular project is it will never be successful until it becomes your sole obsession, until it becomes a part of who you are, and until you can't you can't not think about it because it's just part of you. That's why it is so important to reiterate what Lamb says there. Know your why. There's a great book that I've mentioned in this podcast before called Start With Why by Simon Sinek. If you haven't read it, go read it. It's for anyone. He explains why Martin Luther King was successful. He explains why Steve Jobs was successful. He explains why the Wright brothers were successful when there was a government-funded group that had more money and more resources than them trying to make the advances in flight at the same time as the Wright brothers. And the Wright brothers were two brothers that made bicycles and why they were able to succeed. And it's really important to understand what that reason is. That's why I think about, was it about seven, eight episodes ago, I rewrote the description of the show, and the description of the show is our why, because I want the whole world to know, we want the whole world to know why we're here every week. And why we're here every week, even though we've talked about, you know, growing this audience and getting more people, which is important to us, it's not as important as you. The person listening to this right this second, you, you're the most important person to us. You're the one we want to inspire. You're the one that I want to go make something today. I want you to make the world a better place. This is for you right now. Whether there's 5,000 of you, whether there's 500,000 of you, or whether there's five of you. You're the ones that we come back for. You're the ones we do this for. And that's our why. I still get a huge kick out of that, by the way. Even, you know, the occasional message that we get from someone on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook that says, thank you guys so much for doing this. Um, I was able to, to change something or learn something or grow from something that you had on the podcast. I still get such a huge kick out of that. There's a weird thing there in when you want to do something altruistic for other people and you really want to help other people. There's a weird feeling when you, it's an amazing feeling when you hear that feedback. There's also a weird feeling because you also have that, oh, am I just doing this for the feedback? And I can tell you that even though we talk about having feedback, we've had very little feedback from you guys. So (laughs) even though we get a kick out of that feedback, it's so infrequent that most of the time we operate this show is on the assumption that we're helping you guys with the hope that we're helping you guys. So 
you know what 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 is the morality of that if you want to use the word morality you know there's uh there's been a lot of philosophical arguments about whether it's possible to do a truly selfless deed when you feel good for doing something for someone else that's really not a debate that we're ever going to have here because we're just going to keep making this plus to be honest with you i think it's it's a pointless debate anyway because i i don't mind feeling good about doing something for someone um you know i don't mind feeling good about being able to reach people and being able to inspire people. I mean, I'm not, I'm not professing to be some kind of selfless monk sitting on a hilltop, you know, disseminating wisdom to the world um, that I, I, I hear from the universe. I all I want to do is I, I want to provide, you know, something useful to someone, to to someone, to to anyone. And I think that you feel the same. And so because of that, like it does feel good. And I don't think that there's anything really wrong with that. As long as it's not the only reason you're doing it, then I think that it's, it's okay to, to get a little bit of validation. It's okay to get a little bit of feedback and it's okay to, to feel a sense of, 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 of joy, uh, in being able to help people. I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, I still think that there's a limit to that. You know, there's, there's a limit to the pride that you can feel because I think pride is inherently dangerous. And once you start doing things for the sake of, of, of pride or validation, then you start to, to, you start to bow to the, the whims of the universe when it comes to what you're producing and how you're producing it. But I think for Chad and I, we're just going to keep going. Um, at least now a year and a half into this with the countless numbers of episodes that we've done, I'm almost starting to f- starting to feel like the podcast or random madassery as as a thing is starting to become an entity in and of itself, and we're just the caretakers of it. And so, from that perspective, I feel like it's gonna it's gonna continue to move in the direction that it needs to move in order to be what we want it to be. But it's gonna it now has a life of its own, and I think that that's one of the amazing things about what it is to to me is you know I I still listen to our episodes. I go back and I listen to listen to them not because you know, I want to hear the sound of my own voice or anything crazy like that, but because I really want to understand what's useful from those episodes. You know, what is it that people hear that 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 makes them gravitate towards it, or what what is it that they can take away from what we're 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 saying? And I think that it's it's the podcast feels like a separate person to me now, and I really like that. Yeah, if you guys don't know, the Lamb's been going back and listening to them from the beginning, which is something I'm going to follow suit with him as well on that. And that's very valuable in the sense that there might be loose ends back there of things that we, you know, topics that we just kind of touched that we could go further in depth with because we really mean it when we say we want to go deep and we want to give you guys something valuable. So that's that's part of the process too. And I think that's more important than uh, whether we do interviews or we don't do interviews, whether... Um, it's more important than anything is to just get to the core of what you guys, what's, what can be valuable for you guys. And I think that that feeling of, of goodness when, when you inspire someone, I think that's part of the system. I think that's the way the system is supposed to work. You know, when you do something good for someone else, you should feel good. That's the way it's supposed to work because that is your reward. Um, kind of like when you're hungry and you eat, you feel good when you have that meal inside of you. That's the way it works because it's supposed to reinforce that. The system is supposed to reinforce goodness. It's supposed to reinforce harmony. It's supposed to reinforce people caring about other people. And we have never said this, and I'm surprised we have never said this on the show before, but anything that you get from this show, pay it forward. 
give it to someone else. Even if it's just a feeling of being uh, a, a feeling of, of being inspired or of feeling good, give that to someone else today. Make the world a better place. Literally, I've said that so many times. Make the world a better place. Because you can rely on politics if you want. You can rely on religion if you want. Those are all your choices. But the one thing that always works is person to person. Making the world a better place is one person dealing with another person. That's it. Everything else is more complicated, but when you take everything down to the base thing that always works is the way that we relate to each other. So inspire someone today. Take care of someone today. Tell someone something interesting today. Do something cool today. And don't be afraid of what that's going to mean. Don't be afraid to fail. Going back to what Lam was saying earlier. Why do we keep approaching this even though we've had so many obstacles? The same reason that I've said before that you have to try again, try again, try again. You guys have heard me say that before. What that really means is I want you to think about it. Think about the idea of you want to accomplish this goal. Uh, we'll say that the goal is to end hunger in your city. Say that's your goal. You try one attempt at um, a program. It fails. It doesn't work out. Well, if you give up, hunger's never going to end in your city. So you have to try another attempt. So you try it a different way. And if that fails, you try again. And if that fails, you try again. You keep trying different approaches until you find the program that sticks, the one that works, the one that is the right thing at the right time in the right place that has all of the magic that it needs because success on most of these things that we put out into the world is just chance. Everything just kind of works. But the one thing that always works in that is the refusal to give up. Because once you give up, it's done. It's failed. That is never going to be accomplished because you have cut off all possibility for it to be accomplished. And say your goal is to end hunger in your city and you work your whole life towards that goal and you die and it's only 90% there. It never finished. Guess what? That goal will be accomplished. Just maybe not in your lifetime because the work that you did for all those years to get you to that 90%, someone else is going to come along and they're going to pick up that. They're going to be inspired by that. They're going to learn something from that and they're going to be that last 10%. And that goal will be achieved. So when you go to do something in your life, it's you that decides whether it fails or succeeds. Because the one thing that always ends it is giving up. I also think it's useful to heading towards goals like that to cut the task itself up into, I mean, I, I talked about this in the last couple of episodes and I think it's, it's, I, it's worth echoing just because, or it's worth um, repeating just because I'm, I'm doing it very much in my own life right now. And it is incredibly successful um, and helps to keep my forward momentum moving, which is set up small victories for yourself. Set up small things that you can do day by day, hour by hour that help you to, to get enough yeses. It's all about the yeses. It's all about the victories. And it's all about being able to, to maintain momentum. So build those things in for yourself. You know, like today, for example, I'm going to go um, location scout for a photo shoot. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to do something that I know I can do well and I know I can achieve very 
quickly and easily that will will result in in someone being happy. Um, and so I'm going to go do that. You know, whether for you that's a conversation or, or sitting down at a piano or or talking to a friend who's dealing with a difficult thing in their lives or whatever it may be. Um, Learning how to be grateful for, for the life that you have and, and the things that you have is a very important part of this. And I feel like being able to take that, that feeling of gratitude and going into these tasks and, and achieving the smaller victories will help you to, to realize that even if you don't achieve what you, you set out to achieve, you know, to, to echo Chad's sentiment, um, it's not about the achievement necessarily. Um, it's about being able to, to put that particular ball on top of the hill and letting it roll down. You may not see it hit the bottom, but someone will if you keep pushing at it. And I think that's a really, really important thing to, to, to reiterate. Um, you know, it's, it's, you can't, it's not even about not giving up. It's about just that, it, that can't even enter your mind. Um, whether you give up or not, you know, I, I think about the things that I'm doing now that are important to me, like this podcast, um, you know, like my, my progress with golf, um, you know, my, my writing, there, there's never a roadblock too big. There's never a wall too high. Uh, there's never a challenge that's too difficult. It, it, it doesn't matter. I don't even think about whether or not we can or can't do something or whether I can't or can, can or can't do something. I'm just going to do it. And I might run into that wall 50 times, 100 times, 1,000 times before I finally find that one notch in the wall that allows me to climb it. But I'm just going to do it. And each time I fall, it's not going to demoralize me. It's just going to force me to find a different route to get to the top of that wall. Um, so I think that that ruthless determination, that that sense of almost foolhardy confidence going into tasks like this um, is very critical to succeeding in, in the long run at it. One of the big problems when we approach things in our lives that are important to us, that are large, um, particularly uh, creative projects, is they seem more complex, so we, we apply what we think is more complex thinking to them. But in reality, they're just as simple as the small things. And what I mean by that is a novel. I've talked about the novel before and how overwhelming it is. And I was just saying this to somebody yesterday, that at times, writing a novel feels more like project management than it does writing. Sure. You know, you make one change in chapter one, it may ripple throughout the rest of the book. So now you have to go through and make sure, you know, even if you change the color of a carpet in a room and that, that room, somebody goes into that room 20 times in the book, you got to go to every 20 times that shows up in the book and change the color of that carpet. That's project management. So it would be easy to apply a more complex way of thinking to that. Uh, this going, I'm specifically speaking of this failing ideology or succeeding ideology. But think about it in the same terms as when, when you first drew a tree when you were a kid, it didn't look like a tree. When you first sat down at the piano, you couldn't play Beethoven. You can't expect perfection at the, at the, initial phases of, of something. I can't expect to sit down and write my novel all in one shot, get to the end and be like, whoop, man, that was easy. It only took me four days. That's not going to happen. I've never written a novel before. I'm going to fail a lot in the process. 
I'm going to have to try different approaches. I'm going to have to try different things. And that's the same thinking it takes to learn how to draw a tree. Why do kids learn how to draw? Why do we learn how to draw? Because kids don't give up. They don't care that what they drew doesn't look like a tree because the next one they draw, maybe it's going to look a little bit more like a tree. And the next one and the next one. They don't ever give up on that. There's a, a thing that art teachers love to tell students, and it's that there's a thousand bad sketches in you before you get any good. So the faster you get through those thousand sketches, the quicker you can get to being good. That's the oh, idea of so failing true. forward. That's everything. Take that same simple ideology and apply it to everything in your life. You want to end hunger in your city? You're going to have to fail a thousand times at a thousand different attempts. You have to, once you start really digesting that, you know, and, and stop taking it as like this lofty idea and just, it's very practical. It's very simple. And when you start to believe that, it changes the way that you approach things. Because when you do something, you know, you write a sentence in a novel and it's a bad sentence. You don't go, I give up and throw the book out the window. <laughs> Some people do. <laughs> you rewrite the sentence. Hemingway supposedly, uh, I'm going to, uh, having a brain hiccup right now, remembering which novel it was. But he wrote the last paragraph of one of his novels 40 times. Because he couldn't get the words right. That's why Hemingway succeeded. And I guess from that perspective too, the, the, one of the, the, the key things to take away from that is, at least for me, like, a, you know, we always talk about failure and success. And, and I, I think that, that in the longer, the longer run, you know, when we're talking about these things, the words failure and success don't even enter the equation anymore. Um, you know, like, for example, how do you, you know, you talked about this a couple of episodes ago, which is, you know, it, it all comes down to how you measure success. You know, like, even if you fail at your task of feeding your city, for example, or ending hunger in your city, you did achieve some things that day. You did achieve some good that day. You know, a few people got fed or not quite as many as you wanted or um, not quite as, as continuously as you wanted, but you achieve something, you learn something, you know, like with, with the, the number of times you rewrite a sentence or, or replay a song or re-record a podcast, like in our case, even if we don't succeed to the level that we wanted, there are definitely things that you, you succeed, you, you achieve within, within the process of just doing it. So I think one of the things that, that is very clear with me about the podcast in general now is that it's not even about success anymore. It's about what have we learned? What can we do? What can we change? How do we move forward? You know what I mean? It, success or failure is not a word that I associate with what we do at all. It's it's like the audacity to move forward. It's so audacious to, to move forward, to keep pushing. People are shocked by it. It's almost smug in a way, isn't it? Like, And I think that's... You know, in, in our 20 questions thing, I think one of the reasons why we both like the stone so much is because there's just that smugness, you know, there's just that throwing your, throwing your, 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 your thumb on, thumb, thumb in the air towards the world and saying, you know what, you think I can't do this, just, just watch me do it. And I think there's that, that everyone could benefit a little bit more from having a little bit of that attitude, you know, that, that smugness, that, that, that basically says, nah, you know, I, I, I don't buy it. I'm doing it. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to pull it off. Just watch me. Yeah, be audacious. Do it. Push forward. You, because there's two ways of thinking. There's the way that, quote-unquote, the world seems to want. And that that's like, the, the quote-unquote, the world is the silent 
consensus, right? And that's, well, everybody kind of wants you to fail. Everybody likes the idea of people working really hard, but, you know, when they push a little bit too far, when they get smug, they need to be knocked down a few notches. That's, that's something we say. And that's a horrible way to think. What we should want is for everybody to just be so so driven to succeed that they never stop trying. Can you imagine what the world would be like if we were all trying to make it better every day instead of hoping that other people kind of succeed and fail, succeed and fail, succeed and fail so that we feel kind of on par with them? We want to bring... So often we want to bring people down to the level that we feel we're at. But if we raise our own level, we raise everybody's level. Because if we're operating at that higher frequency, then we can allow other people to as well. And when everybody's operating at that higher frequency, it becomes a better place to be. It's just in this going back to our why. This show is about creativity, but that's not why we do it. We do it because we believe that creativity is the way to make the world better, to make us all happier. That's all that matters. Because when we're dead, when we're gone, the paintings and the books we made, people might still look at them. Who knows? But it's the people that we change, the lives that we've changed, the world that we leave that matters. And that's why creativity is so important because when you're creative, you're vulnerable instead of defensive. You're generous instead of protected. And a world where people are vulnerable and generous is a world where people are taken care of. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I think that's something we don't really touch enough on, on the podcast. Um, which is when we were first starting out, you know, people were very supportive. All of our friends were very supportive. Um, and as we became more and more successful, we actually had a lot of people kind of drop off and become less supportive as we were, we were starting to gain momentum and starting to gain followers, um, and listeners. And I think that that's an interesting phenomenon, um, that, you know, I never really wanted to believe. I never really wanted to, 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 to really take that to heart. You know, my friend Dylan, um, who we may eventually interview on this podcast once we figure out the interviewing thing, um, used to, used to say to me that, you know, if you, if you, if you want to succeed, you can't rely on your friends to help you succeed to a certain extent. And I didn't want to believe that, you know, I, I wanted to believe that, that, that the people closest to me are my friends, um, would be continually supportive, um, through the, 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 the rise of, of, of what we're doing and through the success that we achieve. Um, and don't get me wrong, my real friends did. You know, the, the, the friends that both you and I share that have been very supportive of the podcast have always been there, and I think they will always be there. But there are a lot of people who weren't really as close as we thought they were um, who didn't support it because it was becoming more successful. Um, and I'm not sure why that phenomenon exists in the world. Um, I'm not sure why people have such strong reactions to the success of the people around them. Maybe it makes them feel like they're not achieving as much or they, they want to do more or it reminds them that, that, that 
you know, for, for guys like Chad and I, for example, this podcast has always been about bravery. It's always been about, about pushing through despite the, the, the obstacles or despite the challenges that we face. And I think that a lot of people, because they have difficulty with that, uh, have a tendency to resent it when they watch someone else do it. Um, and I'm sure that with a lot of them, it's not because they're malicious or they're ill-willed or anything like that, but because there's, there's a sense of, of, there's a sense of honesty that they have to look at their own lives with, um, and, and, and think, think, you know, they have to think to themselves, you know, could I be doing something like this if I really wanted to? And if I'm not achieving it, then, then these guys are just reminding me or, or not, not these guys, but, you know, just people in general are It's difficult to, to know someone personally who's, who's, who's succeeding and, and not feel that sense of, of, of just a, a lack of accomplishment. And I think that, that you have to push through that. And it's one thing that I think a lot of artists struggle with, you know, a lot of artists I know have struggled with that, which is, you know, past a certain point of success, people just start to resent you a little bit. Um, don't get me wrong. Be, be, be consistent and, and, and continue to do what you do. And eventually those people come around, but there's an initial phase. And I think both you and I are kind of in that phase now where, because our success has been pretty rapid over the, 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 the last however many months that it's been growing progressively, um, we've had, a, we've had a lot of that drop off. Um, so now we're, we're receiving a lot more support and, 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 and success from strangers rather than the people we actually know. When you change, it changes the world around you. And sometimes that makes things uncomfortable for people. And it's not something that we can, uh, I shouldn't say we can, we totally can. It's not something we should blame them for. It, it's, it's an uncomfortable feeling. And people who go through a recovery, people who go through AA and NA, they have a similar problem um, in the sense that people have trouble seeing them as a changed person. You know, maybe they stole from them when they were, when they were using, and now they're not that person anymore. It takes a very long time for the people in their life to adjust to that new person. And it's, it's not a purposeful thing on anyone's part. It's because when we, when we deal with each other, this is probably has some evolutionary uh, purpose. I don't know. The way our brain works is we create an image of that person. And it's really hard for us to change that image of that person. So when you start making things, when you start creating things, when you start doing things that you don't normally do, you're changing that image of yourself in other people's minds. And it's really hard for them to let go of that. So some people deal with that by ignoring it. Um, some people deal with it by feeling jealousy or something like that. But a lot of what it is, is it's just something that has nothing to do with it at all. And that sometimes that's what we're putting into it. That's what we're seeing in it. You know, I think a lot of our drop off of our friends is they supported us at the beginning because they care about us because they're our friends, even though we were talking about stuff they weren't interested in. And over sure. time, the people that weren't interested in it, you know, that aren't um, interested in listening about creativity and apps and the things that we talk about, they dropped off because it's not their subject matter. It's not their type mm -hmm. of content. They still care about us. They still want us to succeed. They just don't want to listen. It's not their thing. Same reason that, you know, if 
I had a friend that was on a soap opera. I probably watched the soap opera a few times at the beginning to support them, but I don't like soap operas, so I drop off. And it doesn't mean anything about what I feel about that person. And look at the world, too. Look at how how much stuff is thrown at us every day. People can't consume everything. They really can't. I mean, just... I can't even keep up with our friends. You know, we have friends that have released music and albums that I haven't heard yet. It's not because I don't like them. I just don't have time. I haven't found that time. I, I've been prioritizing wrong. There's a million reasons. The main thing is, when you're going forward and you're changing, you're going to experience what Lamb's talking about. And it can be disheartening. But you have to understand that it has nothing to do with you, really. Because what you're doing is, you know, that's what you're doing. It has nothing to do with this circle. You, you have to learn to move past the circle of your family and friends if you're going to succeed. You have to learn to reach out to the world. Uh, your family and your friends, they love you. That's what their job is. It's not their job necessarily to consume your content. That's what an audience sure. is for. So you have to build an audience. Um and it, it's, it's taken a lot. I, I, the thing that you will see a lot with young writers is when they're in the middle of something, before they've even finished it, they want to share it with everybody they know. And sometimes it, it, that, I think, in itself is what ruins their momentum because they're sharing it to the people they love. But the people they love might not, you know, if the person's writing science fiction, people they love might not read science fiction. So they don't really have feedback and excitement. They're never going to share that excitement. And that's something that's really important for you guys to understand, too. You're going into the thing that you're doing because you want it. You feel it inside of yourself. And nobody, nobody is going to have the same excitement for that that you do. And you can't expect them to because it's your thing. Lamb and I do this because we love it. We've, we we love it so much that the last three episodes, we've been able to jump in, the two episodes before this and this episode, jump in with zero prep because we had other things prepared. Come into these things completely unprepared and have these conversations because this stuff matters to us. But we have plenty of people in our lives that this doesn't matter to. I have family that have never heard this. Family. But sure. I didn't expect them to, you know? It, People that don't listen to podcasts, I don't expect to ever listen to a podcast just because I'm on it. But it does change. And the reason it changes is because your relationship changes. Um, there's, I, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily say this because um, I don't necessarily agree with the terminology in this, but the, I'll find a video and put it in the links. There is a Casey Neistat video where he did, he was talking to, there was a, a young kid, and this, I, I love this story actually. It was a young kid that was starting to do YouTube because he was into Casey Neistat. And Casey found out that the kid was getting made fun of at school for doing it. So in his video, he called out to this kid and he said, let me explain something to you. And he drew this chart and you guys will see it. So this will be a brief explanation because I can't do it justice. Um, but basically he said, here you are. And here's where you'll end up. When you start here and you move to that end point, all the time in between, people will hate you. They'll make fun of you. They will deride you. 
But when you get over here, you get to the other side, they'll want to be you. And that's because your dynamic changes, your relationship changes. Interesting. Um, we're not doing this to be somebody that people want to be. That's why I don't. I have problems with the, using the terminology on that. But what I mean is that, that dynamic changes in the sense that the people who didn't listen will listen just because, oh, wow, this is, you know, for all intents and purposes, you say, whoa, this is big. A lot of people are listening to this. They take interest in it as content not as something to do with you. And that's a change in dynamic. Hmm. Never thought of it that way. It's funny. I, I don't know why I've never made that connection um, that, you know, people who I care about and love just may not listen to podcasts. <laughs> I don't know why I've never thought of that. Well, I mean, like going back to what I said, we're vulnerable when we make things. So sometimes when you're vulnerable, you make decisions based on that vulnerability. You know, you get hurt easily or you, you're you surprised easily or you expect things because you're vulnerable. And that's okay. We're always going to be vulnerable because that's the, that's what we're doing. We're putting things out. That's why we're here for each other too, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's, it's odd though. I mean, you're right. I mean, we're, I, I think it's because... Whether we like it or not, we become very protective of the things that we care about. Um, and I think, you know, the podcast, at least for me on many levels, has been that for a while now. And so I, I feel protective of it. You know, I, I feel, I feel, I feel a certain sense of, of, of ownership of it. And so because of that, when people don't support it, I, 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 at least initially, I mean, I'm way past that now, obviously. Otherwise, there's no way I could still do this and maintain any level of sanity. Um, but, at first, you know, when when we didn't get that support that that I I, I wanted or expected, um, I was hurt by it, and you know, I didn't really put two and two together until now. Um, in hearing you say it out loud, that you know, it may just be because it's not because they don't support us or they don't love us, but because they may not be creative, uh, or they may not be um, people who intend to do creative things, and or they may not be people who listen to podcasts. Um, it doesn't mean they like you any less. It just means that they're just not into whatever thing it is that you're doing. And you can't expect that of everybody. Um, you know, you can't expect people to change who they are, or change what they want in order to support you. That's just not realistic. Um, but yeah, that that doesn't mean though that you know obviously we're we're successful somehow because we've reached the right people. We've reached the people who really do want to listen to this. And so, I guess in doing what we're doing and moving forward with how we're doing it, we're we're starting to find the people that will become those that group of supporters that that we've always wanted. But we had to do it first in order to find them. And that's that's where the confusing your friends and family with your audience becomes dangerous in a sense if you're still relying on your friends and your family to figure out what's working and what's not working and they're not your ideal audience you're going to have problems there like for example like the instagram if we decided what to do with the instagram based on what our friends liked and left likes on and watched what which videos they watched and stuff like that we might not make the content that our actual audience wants to see because their interests are different. And just go to your friends, just go to your friends' Instagrams and look at what they're following. And you'll be surprised at how, even though you're friends, at how different their tastes maybe are from what you're doing. And 
that's an important thing to keep in mind. It's also you want to have when you start out before you have an audience, you have to imagine the audience. And the best way to imagine the audience is what we've said multiple times, you know, write the book you want to read, record the podcast that you want to listen to. That's the audience you have to imagine. And then eventually they become real. You guys are here. You guys were always real, but you become real to us because we can actually see you. You know, we can see that people are listening. And so any audience that you can imagine, it exists. I can't tell you what the size of it is because, I mean, that's what billions and billions of dollars go into marketing to guess the size of audiences. But it's easy to find an audience. Your audience might only be five people, but that's five people. That's five human beings. Remember that, too. When you're looking at numbers and, and things about deciding whether you succeed or fail, these are human beings. These are not numbers. Five human beings that listen to something. Five human beings that watch something. Five human beings that learn something. And when you think about it like that, the difference between five and five million is not that much. Jeez, man. I mean, most people throughout the course of their lives, I, I, I think as you get older, you realize this more and more, which is you want your effect on whatever people you have in your life, whether it's one person or five people or 10 people, you want that effect to be profound. Um, you want to have changed them in some way. And I think that, that people forget that, you know, I think that, that as you get older, you realize that more and more you, because I, I personally think that your relationships get closer as you get older. Um, or at least you have a desire to make them closer as you get older. And so because of that, you steer towards that direction. But I definitely feel that as I've gotten older, my relationships have become more defined and closer in that sense. And I think that this podcast is, is, I, I used to want to reach a ton of people and don't get me wrong. I still do. Um, I still feel like most of what we say is useful for a lot of the creatives out there, but I wouldn't care if it stayed at the number that it is now if those people all found something profoundly useful out of it. <laughs> you know, if we if we don't gain one more listener, if we don't gain one more person throughout the course of, of moving through the trajectory that we're moving with the, the podcast itself, I'd be perfectly happy if those people were, were creating wonderful things for the world. Yeah, that's the thing is when we talk about growing this audience, I do want to grow this audience, but not at the sacrifice of the intimacy and the, the, the genuine interaction that I feel we have with the audience that we have now. If, if, sure. if we got 5 million followers tomorrow, but we had to change the way that we did this and we didn't reach people the way that, that we want and we believe that we're reaching them now, I wouldn't do it. I don't care what, yeah. what, what money or whatever came at us. Because to me and to you, as we've talked about and we've said in this episode even, the why is important. And if we can't achieve that why, the numbers mean nothing. You know, doing something profound, being being profound and having a profound influence on other people's lives, it begins in your heart. It begins with authenticity. That's it. It doesn't – it's not knowledge or anything. But the hard part for that for most people is is the balance point with validation. We've even talked about this on the podcast in previous episodes too as well is that, you know, even, even at the beginning of this episode, um, we talked about how validation is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's such, it's such a delicate balance. Um, 
And I think that that's something that we have to maintain, um, pretty much keep each other in check on almost a constant basis. I think this is part of the reason why it's really helpful that you and I do this together um, is because we can keep each other in check. It's because we work so hard at maintaining some level of objectivity that that, that being in check for, for both of us and maintaining why we do this 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 podcast is, is easy. Um, but I, I feel like a lot of people out there who are in solo projects or, or taking on solo endeavors have a harder time maintaining that objectivity. I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I could be incorrect in saying this, but I feel like there are a lot of artists, even artists that we know who have struggled with that throughout various parts of their artistic careers, um, you know, catering to an audience or arturing their, their particular style of art or music or whatever it may be to fit um, a certain genre or a certain style in order to become more popular. Um, and I cannot think of a single person that I personally know who's done that, who hasn't regretted it in the long run, who had wished that they, they had stayed true to, to, to more of what they wanted or more of what they were. Um, and you find, you know, there's one band in particular that, that, you know, quite a few members of, of the band I'm friends with, they went back to what made them who they were and they're way happier now and they don't care if anybody listens to them anymore like but, but of course you know in their their early 20s and heading into their 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 late 20s they they cared a lot about how how much people listen to them um but now they just do what they love and they 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 went back to who they were as musicians and they're having a heck of a lot more fun and lo and behold a lot more people are listening to them <laughs> so it's funny it's funny how that works it's funny how 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 quickly sincerity and honesty can make your work just that much better and that much more reachable. Um, you know, one of the things that, that really stood out to me in the previous episode with Chad where we're asking the 20 questions, you know, one of the things that both of us said um, we wanted the world to remember, remember as is accessible. And I think that one of the, the, the ways that you maintain that level of accessibility through your art is to be honest, um, to be vulnerable, to be true. And, and I think that the, the longer you can maintain that and the clearer you can, you can go into a project with that principle in mind, the better your work's going to be. And that, once again, is the most important thing about the why. The why exists as your measuring tape. It is your constant. You know, you, your why may change. But you have to put thought process into that. You can't just move forward with it. And when you look at young bands going back to your example their why is they want to make music because they love making music and then somewhere along the line they lose the why and then the why that they're operating under which is almost like a, a stand-in why because they've lost touch with the real why becomes getting popular and then it becomes becoming famous um, it becomes these other things validation right uh, like you said, validation is important, but only as icing. Validation is never the cake. It's always an add-on. And when you start putting those add-ons into your Y slot, that's when you end up with situations like, unfortunately, the Rolling Stones, where Mick Jagger and Keith Richards are happy to tour together, but they hate each other. They can't stand each right. other. They don't like to be around each other because they've driven each other apart because they've created these stories of what's going on in their lives and about the other people because they lost track of the why. And the reason a band is able to break up and then come back and do exactly what you're talking about is because what they got back to is their why. 
Your why is your measuring stick. Everything that you decide to do needs to be measured against that why. You know, this is specifically even uh, applicable to businesses. You know, if you're in the business of teaching people to read and you want to have a YouTube channel, what kind of content should you put on that YouTube channel? Well, every idea you have needs to be measured against your why of teaching people to read. If this doesn't accomplish the goal or in some way reinforce the goal of teaching people to read, you shouldn't do it. And that's personal things too. You make personal decisions about your whys. It's so easy for bands and groups or duos like Lamb and I to succeed and then split apart. You know, the famous phrase, creative differences. What that means is they couldn't get along anymore. That's really what it means. They argued too much. And that's because they lost touch with each other. And that's one of the things that Lamb and I have worked really hard on this podcast. More than anything, we are dedicated to each other. Even more than you guys, we're dedicated to each other. Because if we're not dedicated to each other, we can give nothing to you guys. If Lamb and I are working against each other, you guys get nothing. The quality, the content, all of the things that we're providing become garbage. Because we're not working together. And that's by measuring against the why. And knowing. Huh. You know, the, and that's the importance of it. I, I never really thought about that. Um, but I guess that... that <laughs> it's, it's weird how long you can do something like this for and still have revelations about um, how and why we're actually doing it. I, I figure that most of the, the revelations would come in... in you know, the external subjects or the external topics or the artists we feature, but a lot of it comes into, you know, the philosophical reasons as to how and why we continue to do what we do and why, even despite some of the challenges and the amount of time we've been doing this, that we, I feel like we're still going so strong. And actually, if anything, we still have, we've barely touched the tip of the iceberg as to the number of things that we can talk about um, on the podcast. And I think that's a, that's a really important distinction for, for you to throw out there, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's because we believe in each other and it's because we're here for each other. Um, you know, I'm dedicated to, to, to making this work with you. And I'm, 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 I'm more faithful to you than I am to, to most of the other things in my life. And I think that that level of, of commitment, I mean, that's, I guess that's what it really comes down to is that level of commitment, um, is so critically important to, to be people becoming successful at anything artistic or, or just anything in life. Um, and, more so than the thing itself, um, is, is the people involved. I mean, I, I love what you've been saying throughout this episode, which is it's all about the people, you know, it's all about the people that, that you're doing it for. And it's all about the people that you're doing it with. And if you don't maintain some level of clarity with those people, um, and, or the, 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 the throughout the course of doing it, you lose track of, of the people themselves, then the thing itself doesn't even matter anymore. Like, I mean, this is part of the reason why I have difficulty listening to the stones is because I know Keith Richards and Mick Jagger don't get along. I don't care about what they make anymore. You know what I mean? I don't care about, about what they, 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 I don't care about going to a show. I don't care about listening to the new stuff that they put out because I know they hate each other. And I know that there's a sense of insincerity to that, that is really just, just palpable and, and, and ugly to me. 
And I think part of the reason why, you know, we're successful with the podcast is because it's pretty damn obvious that we're friends <laughs> and that we're, we're, we're interested in the same things and that we're committed to each other and that we work towards each other's success and we're continually supportive of success, not just for the podcast itself, but obviously for, for us as individuals too. You know, I can't even count the number of conversations that you and I have had about just personal, personal well-being, you know, things like, you know, the, the digestive issues that I was dealing with or like the stuff that, that you were dealing with when it came to anxiety or, or with me when it came to my job. I mean, we're friends first and we care about the well-being of each other. And I think because of that, I think because, because of how clear it is that we care about each other, it makes it really easy for people to understand that when we say something like we care about them, that's, that's actually true uh, because they have a tangible representation of that and how we treat each other. Inauthenticity is far too valued in the world, um, creating personas and putting out these ideas of who you want the world to think you are. They achieve nothing. They're empty. They're shallow. The only value in the world is inauthenticity. And that's two words, not the same word. The only value in the world is with authenticity. That's a better way to say it. And mm. that begins with the people around you. And this, this is the core of everything that creativity is about. Because if you're not good with yourself, we've said this many, many times, whether it's about organization or about meditation, if you're not good with yourself, which means being good with other people around you, you're not going to make anything that's of value because you're fighting against yourself. You're creating dissonance. Creation is bringing something into the world. It's birth. You cannot have birth with death and disease all around it. You need to clear that stuff out. And the way that you do that is by having authentic conversations. We had, we said earlier, not earlier, we said in an earlier episode, having difficult or awkward conversations and the value of that. And it it's correct. But maybe the word is having authentic conversations because maybe they're not all, all going to be awkward. Maybe they're not all going to be uncomfortable. But they all have to be real. They all have to be authentic. And when you have those, you, then you can have those conversations with yourself as well. When you're creating something, you need to be able to look at it and have an authentic reaction to it. Stephen King always says, kill your darlings. Kill your darlings. What that means is, kill the inauthenticity. You know, this you left this thing in because it makes you feel clever. But it doesn't serve the book. And the book is the why. It's what matters. So you have to have an authentic conversation with yourself and say, that doesn't work. You have to be your own editor and the way that you're your own, you know, some people become their own editors and become brutal editors that everything they do is garbage. That's not authentic. That's you playing a story. That's you seeing red when you should be looking for green or green when you should be looking for red. Authenticity is the heart of everything. Genuine, be genuine, be real. And that means vulnerable, and that means weak, and that means strong. It means so many things. But if you can't clear yourself with that, and you can't clear yourself with the people around you, you're going to have problems. 
you're going to be miserable because you're creating that. Yeah, I think I think a tough thing for people too, and I mean, I've I've had this, I've had this in in various spurts in my life too, and you know, I talk to Crystal about this all the time. Um, is that you know, I, I I I feel there there are three emotions that I feel like I need to get rid of um, in order to to make sure that I can be truly authentic. Number one is shame. Who cares? You know, like feeling a sense of of shame for not being able to achieve something. Who cares? Just who cares? Um, because you know, they, they, that's, that's something that, that you and I talk about all the time when it comes to moving forward and, and progressing as artists, um, or, or just successful people in life, which is, you know, you can't feel bad about not succeeding. You just can't. Um, the second thing is making sure that you forgive yourself, um, for some of the bad things that you've done, particularly to people. Um, we're not all perfect human beings, um. You know, Chad, for example, was big on convincing me to see an old friend um, that I thought I'd wronged, um, and I'm I'm fairly certain that I have. But you know, in seeing him again, it was it was a very wonderful moment um, in which I got to 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 rekindle a friendship that that had been damaged, and and it it I was forced to do that. Um, you know, we, we've even talked about this on the podcast, you know, success in life or happiness in life is, comes down to the number of awkward conversations you're willing to have. Um, and so in that moment, I, I felt a sense of, 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 of panic and, 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 and just unadulterated fear. I don't think, I don't think it's, it's describable in any way that's palpable, uh, unless you've actually had to do it. Um, you know, find a friend that you've wronged terribly and rebuild that friendship and, and see how difficult that is. Not because it's difficult in and of itself, but because you have to, to, to change the narrative of that story um, in your own head. Because the narrative that's actually happening is very different. You know, I, I expected him to be angry and, and, and not want to talk to me, but he couldn't have greeted me with, with a happier um, and more joyful response, um, you know, the person we're talking about here. And I, I, I almost cried, man. I was, it was tough for me. It was, it was, it was a really difficult moment for me, but it was also such an amazing moment because I don't think that I would have done that if you hadn't convinced me that the story was the one that I'd written in my own head. Um, and that the actual reaction that he'd have would be very positive. Um, and the last thing is, um, uh, which is critical for me is, to forget about failure, uh, is to have a short memory about that kind of stuff. I'm not saying don't learn the lessons from whatever it is that you didn't succeed at, but I'm saying that, that in the long run, it's so much better to forget the feeling and just to hold on to the lesson rather than keeping the feeling as well. Um, because that negative feeling that, 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 that negative, that, that negative pull in the pit of your stomach is something that's cumulative. And if you hold on to enough of those over a long enough period of time, it changes your, your overall median. It, it, it shifts your, your, your feeling from positive to negative. And I think that that's really important to keep in mind when you're dealing with things like this, is that you have to make sure that you maintain that. Those are the three things, at least for me, that I've struggled with throughout the course of my life, and I, I continually fight through to this day to make sure that I can maintain that sense of authenticity, to make sure that I can maintain that sense of truth. And if you've noticed, you know, those, those three things are all negative things, and they're all inward things that most people will never be aware of. Um, so those are things that I've chosen for myself throughout the course of my life. Um, 
and and I realize the fault in them. I realize the 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 weakness in them and 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 the the lack of forward movement that they create. So I think for me and for most of us, in 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 very clear ways, it's about taking those those feelings, taking those negative things that we we create in our own narratives, and moving them away or moving them moving them out of the way enough so that they don't become roadblocks. Um, because once you, you can remove enough of them, once you can uh, eliminate that shame and that sense of pride and, uh, and, be, and, and allow yourself to forgive yourself a little bit, then you can start seeing the good in you. You can start seeing the positive things in you. You can start seeing the effect you can have in the world. And you can start producing a freaking art podcast that's reasonably successful. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Who freaking knew? Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> Authenticity, it, it begins with listening. And we don't listen to each other enough. We, we tell ourselves that we listen to each other, but we're not really hearing what other people are actually saying because we're simultaneously creating the story, like you said. And one of the reasons I believe that this podcast works is because you and I actually listen to each other. And I don't mean just before and in the planning stuff. I mean when we're actually recording this. We actually listen to what the other person is saying, and we react to that. And... That's real. That's genuine interest. You just made, you said three things, but in my opinion, you made four points. And I actually took notes while you were talking, and I have a point-by-point -point response to you. Nice. <laughs> first of all, going back to the first thing you said, shame, letting go of shame. One of the important lessons that I've learned is that shame, it's egotistical. You... No one is ever paying attention to you as much as you think they are. So when you carry that shame, what you're carrying is the belief that everybody is really watching you, that you're super important. And so that, that for me, that was a big revelation because like, oh, I did that thing. Most people don't even rem remember I did that. I used to have this problem when, when I would go out, um, Carlos and I would go out drinking and I, uh, everybody says ridiculous things when they're drinking. I would be embarrassed about things that I said while I was drinking. Most people would not remember a word I said. <laughs> How egotistical huh. was I to believe that everybody was just sitting there <laughs> drinking and remembering every word I was saying and absorbing every word that I was saying. It's so egotistical. Um, another thing, too, going back to your thing about excuses... Excuses are a way of avoiding the now. Anytime we make an excuse, it's because we don't want to deal with something right this second. Even when they're valid excuses, quote unquote. And one of the things that I've tried to do recently, especially like with um, some of the client work I have, when I, when I make a mistake, instead of telling them why I made the mistake, I just start with, there's not really any good excuse for this. I'm sorry. What can I do? To make this better. And then inevitably they'll ask me what happened and I can give them, you know, whatever kind of story they're looking for. But most of the time it just ends there. I don't even get a response back from that other than no problem. Why? Because it's the truth. I'm being genuine. I'm not trying to protect myself or cover myself. And that's, that's really transformed the way that I interact with clients. Um, because sometimes if you're a freelancer, Sometimes you can build this story of an antagonistic relationship with your clients. That's not really there. 
And that's the one of the, the third thing that you said was the stories, right? We do create those stories. We create those relationships based on those stories. And we, we react with these people. We react with people in our lives based on fiction, probably 80% of the time. Things that never actually happened, but that we created in our minds. This person did this. That's true. That action did happen. We create the story of why they did it. And then we treat them based on this story. It's kind of like having a dream about somebody where they do something wrong to you in the dream. And then when you see them in real life, you're mad at them. That's the same thing. <laughs> they have no idea why you're mad at them. And so many people in our lives that we're treating based on the story have no idea why we're doing that to them. That's cruel. Hmm. That's really cruel. And it sucks to be the person who has to carry the story. It sucks to be us, too. You know, because we've created these complicated things. Why not create a story where everything's awesome? And even if it isn't, guess what? You're living in that story. So you want to live in a fiction? Live in a good fiction. Like, write a good fiction. Stop writing miserable fictions. You know, you want to be deluded? <laughs> be deluded that everybody loves you and that you love everyone and that the world is sunshine and roses. Live in that world. Create that fiction. And then the last thing I want to talk about was the idea of uh, letting things go. You know, holding on to the lesson but letting go of the feeling. And there's a Buddhist parable of two Buddhist monks and their walking through, we'll say, the wilderness. And for those who are unfamiliar with this, most Buddhist monks are, I don't know if this is still true, but at the time that the parable was told, were forbidden to touch women or to interact with women. They're true monks. You know, they're completely celibate to their, they take Mike Pence's refusal to eat dinner with women other than his wife uh, to the nth degree. They cannot talk to them. They cannot interact with them. They go to cross a river. And there's a woman on their side of the river who the river is moving fairly rapidly. And the woman wants to get to the other side of the river, but she doesn't know how to get across the river. So Buddhist monk number one picks the woman up, puts her on his shoulders and goes across the wades across the river so that the woman can get to the other side. And of course, Buddhist monk two goes across the river on his own. And then the two of them walk along, leaving the woman at the river. And after they have walked for a while, Buddhist monk number two says to Buddhist monk number one, you touched that woman. That's forbidden. And Buddhist monk number one looks at number two and says, yes, I did. But I left her at the river. And what that means huh. is Buddhist monk number two was carrying that. But Buddhist monk number one let it go. Wow, that's cool. Some fantastic Buddhist parables out there. Look into it. <laughs> have you been have you been diving into to more Buddhist parables? I feel like it's it's you've been more Buddhist heavy over the last couple of weeks. No, oddly enough, I haven't. <laughs> I've been reading um, Great Expectations by Charles Dickens, actually. Wow, that's that's unexpected. 
I guess I guess that's that's a. I mean, we kind of went into this episode without any real idea about what we were going to talk about. So I guess it, it's it's useful to. I think that's something that we 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 stray away from from time to time, which is what we're reading and what we're doing these days that that help us to 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 move forward as artists. Um, so yeah, let's. Let, I want to ask you that actually. What are you reading? What are you watching? All that kind of stuff. Uh, well, the Dickens thing is particularly um, apropos because it, with the idea of letting things go and not building stories, I'd always built a story that Charles Dickens was wordy and wasn't the best um, best read, and I have not had that experience with Great Expectations. I find that Great Expectations, for all intent and purposes, is a fairly modern novel. And it's con- fairly concisely written. Uh, I've enjoyed it. I'm, I have like 12 pages left before I'm done. And nice. I mentioned it in the last episode, my obsession TV-wise is Luther. I just, uh, that, speaking of concise, that show is just, I mean, there's so, so much going on in such a short period of time. I really like Idris Elba. Actually, I, I can't wait to see the Dark Tower. Um, I, mm. But I'm scared. I mean, obviously, I'm scared too because um, I had it, it was probably my favorite Stephen King series. Um, I didn't really care for his horror stuff that much, um, but when I read the Dark Tower series, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, so I'm very curious as to see how Idris Elba treats the Gunslinger. Um, and I, I also really want to see McConaughey in his full dark glory. <laughs> so I, I think McConaughey has never really played a solid bad guy. And I'm very curious as to see how he plays that character. Because I don't think he's ever done anything badly. So that's going to be a very interesting project to me. And I hope they give it the respect that it deserves. Um, what I'm listening to, I've actually... I discovered on Spotify by accident um, a couple of days ago a remastered... Oh, excuse me. Um, a remastered version of OK Computer that radio mm. had just re-put back out. And it's really interesting to hear how different some of those songs are um, with modern engineering. And it makes me wonder how different a lot of the albums that I really like would sound if the artist actually had a chance to go back and remake them with modern tools the way they really wanted. Like, for example, I wonder how different Tears for Fears would sound um, if they had modern instruments um, and modern synths and all that kind of stuff and modern uh, recording and producing techniques. Um, or maybe it would sound exactly the same, but if OK Computer is any indicator, even in the nuances in the songs themselves, they can sound dramatically different. Well, perfect example of that that's even more dramatic is the recent remaster of um, Sgt. Pepper by the Beatles. Oh, my mm, God. Yeah. Uh, a lot of you might not be familiar with the way that Sgt. Pepper's was recorded and all other albums um, back at that time. The maximum that they had was a four-track recorder. So the way you had to do things, for example, is, uh, okay, so you need, maybe you need a drum track, you need a piano track, you need a bass track, you need a guitar track. You record those onto a four-track. Now you still need vocals, you need backing vocals, you need the other guitar so you record those three, and then you use the fourth track of that one to pack all those other four tracks that you recorded previously into this one track. And that compression on those tapes, what happened is most of the sounds get buried. So Jim Martin's son, 
Jim Martin was the engineer of all the Beatles stuff. Jim Martin's son, I think his name is Giles, um, went back and grabbed the original tapes and spread them all out to their full glory and re-released mm -hmm. it. And I will tell you this, it's a different album. There are points where you could say, uh, actually, I w somebody said this, and I think maybe saying it is a little setting expectations for people that might not be the best, but you could almost say that they're almost as explosive as Led Zeppelin. There's just... Interesting. This, wow. This, the drums were so buried in all of those songs. Now, all of a sudden, the drums come forward, and you realize, I mean, I've I've kind of always thought that Ringo Starr was very underrated, but you really hear what that guy is doing, and you hear other things. There's some of the songs I was listening to, I'm like, I never paid attention to this song before. Now, I love this song. Or there's just so many little sounds that were just completely just buried in the background. And now, this, I mean, it's like having a song playing inside of a box of tissue on a little tiny speaker. It's just muffled, huh. but you can get the gist of it. And then taking it out and putting it on a full stereo. Interesting. And, and another problem, too, was back in the day, uh, back in that day, mono was more popular than stereo. So people worked really long and hard on the mono mixes. They would spend weeks and weeks getting the mono mixes because the mono mixes would go onto the records and records were your main cell, right? Um, but there was a small portion of records that had stereo sound. So they would do a stereo sound, but usually they'd mix the stereo sound in like one day. So it was just a little quick mm -hmm. job. So the versions of the Beatles, the version of Sgt. Pepper that we have listened to our whole lives was mixed in a day and it was all buried because of the recording, um, because of the four track recording on top of four track recording. So we've all been listening to inferior versions of these songs our whole lives. And what's incredible to me about that is that says so much about the power of that music that as crappy as that was and how little justice it did to the work that the musicians did in that studio, that they're still considered by most people to be the greatest band that ever existed and that to be the most important album ever recorded. That's pretty powerful. Hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. It's like the moment that I, I've always wondered, you know, like, why do people care so much about um, certain Jimi Hendrix songs and uh, was it Stone Free? I can't remember what song it is uh, right now. But I always wonder. I'm like, That's, it's an okay song. Why is that such a big deal? And then all of a sudden I realize, I'm like, oh, this was the first song on his first album. This is the first thing the world ever heard from him. Uh. They were completely unprepared for this and then all of a sudden I realized why that song was so important because it blew a whole generation's minds. Huh. Yeah, I guess well, the timing of such things is really different too. Like, I mean, when you hear an, when you hear a sound, regardless of the recording quality, if you hear something that you've never heard before, um, you know, I, I, I don't think I've really had that experience in my lifetime, but when you hear something that is so radically different from anything that you've ever heard, I guess that that just it's it's shocking. Well, going back to Radiohead, I think Kid A was like that for me. Yeah, 
I was like, what is this? Yeah, I, I mean, can see that. Yeah. In mm-hmm. some in some ways it, it it was similar to other things, but not in the package and I mean it was just like an alien coming down from from the clouds for me. <laughs> sure. And for some people, OK Computer was that too. But I felt like the OK Computer was still tied um, to a lot of the traditional instruments. Whereas Kid A was just like, what is going on? And the song yeah, structures were so it was, it was so, Yeah, it was so radically different. Yeah, sure. Or um, another one for me, which is funny, is uh, another one that blew my mind was uh, White Pony by Deftones. Mm, yeah, I, I remember yeah, yeah, sure. buying that album and going, "Whoop! I made a mistake. This is just weird." And then after <laughs> like three, three or four listens, going, "Oh, oh, oh! I get it." And then sure. take the take both of those experiences, smush them together, and multiply them by like a hundred, and that's like hearing the Beatles, um, Sergeant Pepper for the first time, or Jimi Hendrix for the first time. Yeah, true. Yeah, just the yeah, way yeah. people's heads must have exploded. And that's, you know, going back to what we were saying earlier about creativity, those are people who were being genuine. They wanted to make a sound and they had, there was nothing like what they were doing. So they had no reason to believe that they'd ever be successful. They made it because it's what they wanted to make. It's pretty cool. That's why we respect them. You know, like, or Van Gogh. You know, nobody, (laughs) he wasn't respected. We were like, what is this garbage? This is not painting. Or Jackson Pollock. I don't know why I've been thinking about Jackson Pollock so much, actually. It's funny that you mentioned that. Um, but yeah, Jackson Pollock uh, uh, has been has been kicking around in my brain for the last two weeks. And I couldn't tell you what motiv- motivated me. I'm actually kind of thinking that it might have been a, a, a cone of gelato that I had that reminded me of a Pollock painting. <laughs> That's an interesting story a person that I would love to do a study on one time too because what a story yeah him yeah I'm also curious about uh, at some point if we're going to do Keith Haring as well that'll be a fun little that that segment of New York artists at the time Basquiat yeah Warhol oh we have we have decades and decades of material we will never run out of things (laughs) to talk about there's literally no way. Like, we could do an artist profile every day for the next 20 years and still not run out. That's why we are so able to come into these things unprepared is because there is so much to talk about. Um, the only reason we can't do artist profiles more often is there's just not enough time to do them justice. I mean, we we put Meryl Streep off till next week just because there's so much. There's so Ugh. much. It's limitless with that woman. <laughs> Honest, honestly, I feel like the more the more I I learn about her and the more I watch of her work, the more the more behind I feel. Um, you know, the the more the more woefully inadequate I, I feel about my knowledge of her. So I, I'm glad that we have that extra week because there are, now now I've got to take a di- now I'm picking specific parts of her career and parts of her life to 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 delve into. So I'm I'm glad that we've got that. And once again, let's reiterate, hey, next week, Barrel Streep, be here. Subscribe if you're not subscribed. That makes it easier than having to, like, be here or to go somewhere, right? Meryl Streep will be next week. That's going to be a really good one if you can't tell. 
Um, there's a lot to deal with there. If you haven't listened to the last two episodes, you missed two really good episodes. Um, and they were very different. The 20 questions face-off, which was last week, Lamb and I asking each other 20 questions. Um, we get pretty personal. We get um, we get into not personal in the way that you guys will feel uncomfortable, but just stuff about us that maybe you don't know. And a lot of just like different directions that we, we don't even get to get into in this show very often. And then the Redirect Your Flow episode, I feel like that's a really important episode um, on dealing with energy. So go back and check out those episodes. And be here next week for Meryl Streep. If you're not following us on Instagram, you should probably do that because we're going to add some stuff in there. We're going to learn how to use that to give you guys value. Um, supplemental material, think of it as handouts and the audio-visual department. You know, if this is a class, <laughs> you need that stuff. So if we're going to close this episode out and we're going to treat this as a traditional episode and give up that term of bonus episodes. So as we like to close all of these episodes, Lamb, words of wisdom. Oh my goodness. Um, I guess it, it goes back to the, the lessons that I learned, um, about sincerity. Um, and I, I, I suppose the, 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 the cleanest way to do that would be to wrap all of those things into the most important, the most important lesson that I learned out of all of, all of those things combined, which is if you want to do the best that you can, um, if you want to be the most sincere, if you want to be the best artist you can be and the best person you can be to the people that you care about, learn to look past your own ego because only then can you be who you really are. Ow!